Father, thank you for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we are saved and safe in your loving hands. Thank you for the ministry of music. Thank you for all the expressions of your elected people. Now meet us in your word, convict, convince, if need be, convert, and thank you again as we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, say amen. Church, say amen again. Boy, I tell you, that's my song. Lord Jesus. In those 70s when I was struggling with sin, the Lord ministered to me through the Love Alive 2, Hawkins Singers and K-Sound, K just as good as Tremaine. Praise the Lord. See, she sang on the boardwalk yesterday, this morning, 8 o'clock, and again at 10.30. Amen. And I'm telling you, the Lord is good. What a song. Be grateful. This morning, we'll find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. And when you get it, I want you to say amen. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. This morning I want to preach around a subject a treasure of tranquility. A treasure of tranquility. Treasure hunts are exciting as people search for secret riches. And whenever treasure maps are discovered, there's an immediate quest to find its location. Oddly enough, the secret treasure is invisible to the eye because it's hidden, invaluable to our estimation because we don't know everything that's in it, and incomprehensible to our enthusiasm because after the digging, the diligence, the delay, comes the delight of finding a hidden treasure. Paul the Apostle uses metaphors to paint pictures of truth. He says in Ephesians, for we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. That the wrestling match depicts close contact with the enemy. You don't wrestle people from a distance. Satan got his hands on you and you got your hands on Satan. And the objective is to see who can throw who to the ground. Paul uses the metaphor of not only wrestling, but fighting. Fight the good fight of faith. And all through the Bible, he's using these metaphors constantly to teach truth. He tells us that we are soldiers and no soldier 
gets caught up in the affairs of this life. It is here that we see somewhat of a metaphor by Paul as Paul's making transition from this third chapter, which we covered last week, into the fourth chapter. And in the third chapter, he laid out the two types of Christians, the carnal Christian who is worldly and acts like the world even though they're saved. And he calls these carnal Christians, he uses a Greek word, sukikos, which comes from a term which means carnal. And then he talks about the spiritual Christian, which is pneumatikos, pneuma, where we get our word pneumonia from, which is to breathe. He's those that are walking by the breath of the Holy Spirit, committed to the word, the will, and the way of God. Whereas the carnal Christian is caught up in their feelings, not their faith, their fractures, and amen, everything in their future is earthbound. Paul makes this differentiation by saying that and we dealt with this last week, milk, meat, and madness, that what we have in the context of the church are people who are saved, but you wouldn't know it. They're just like the world. And then there are people who are saved who have the mind of Christ, the ability to empty out their rights, and the ability to live by the excellencies of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things we established last week is that there's a whole lot of folk in church that are miserable. And I, I'm telling you why you're miserable. You're miserable because you got too much of the Lord in you to enjoy the world and you got too much of the world in you to enjoy the Lord. So therefore you are just miserable. Satan and God is beating you up. Lord have mercy. Let me say that again. You got too much of the Lord in you to enjoy the world. That means you can't go all the way with your sin because you got a paraclete on the inside that keeps messing you up. Can I get a witness? He, he puts, the Holy Spirit puts a limit on your sin. So, so, so you got too much of Jesus in you to enjoy the world. See, when I was in the world, I enjoyed the world because I was on my way to hell, wasn't saved, and had all world in me. But once I got saved, I couldn't enjoy everything I enjoyed in the world because the comforter would become a discomforter. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? He'll start shutting down your operation. He'll start making your happiness turn to unhappiness. He'll, yeah, he'll start, yeah, keeping you up at night. Somebody know what I'm talking about. He'll start convicting and come on now. He'll start closing in on you. Because you are a child of God. And the writer to the Hebrews said, Now no chastening seemeth to be enjoy, enjoy, enjoyful at the time you're going through it, but afterwards it will yield the peaceable fruit. And um, so Paul comes on the heels of these two types of Christians, there's a third person in the, fir in, 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 the, in the first and second chapter, which is the unsaved person, and Paul calls them the natural man. For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him.
The word natural is soulish. A man or woman who lives by the promptings of their, their soul, their feelings, their philosophies are world bound. Do I have a witness? Yeah. And, and, and so Paul, Paul, Paul homes in on this matter of Amen. These two individuals who claim to be saved, and they are saved. And notice, as you look at chapter 4, it says, Let a man so account of us, the us is Paul and Apollos and the rest of the saved people, as of the ministers of Christ. Now, the first thing Paul does here is that we see a treasure that is yet to be found. Now, I want to use this metaphor of a treasure. We're we're on a treasure hunt. We're we're searching. And when you're saved, amen, and God is starting to pull you in, it's almost like you're searching for something. Can I get a witness? You're searching for peace. Jesus said, I am peace. You're searching, amen, for whatever that thing is that you seem to be missing, it's Christ and him crucified. So Paul homes in, in his heart of transparency, he homes in on the characteristics of this treasure hunt about a faithfulness to the one looking for the treasure. That apparently faithfulness is very, very important to God. I didn't say fruitfulness. I didn't say fortitude. I said faithfulness. Faithfulness, 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 faithfulness is when our attitudes are locked in to his purposes. And his purposes establish our sense of perseverance and our perseverance establishes our passions. And our passions are accompanied by a dose of pain. And when the pain comes, God gives us a persuasion. I want you to pay attention to what Pastor's saying because If you are to find the treasure of the Holy Spirit operating in your life, it starts with purpose. Lord, have mercy. Too many people don't have a purpose or a right purpose. We're barking up the wrong tree. We're worried about how can I become prosperous How can I make more money? How can I um, become self-employed? How can I reinvent myself? And I heard preachers preaching this stuff. God didn't tell us to preach about reinventing ourselves. God didn't tell us to preach about reaching out for prosperity. God told us, lead them back to the cross. Jesus is our singular purpose. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and then everything else. Turn to your neighbor and say everything else will fall into place. All right. Check it out. The word minister in verse 1 comes from a Greek word, huperites, which is an under oarsman who's at the bottom of the ship inside rowing where nobody can see him. He's the one keeping the ship moving in the direction of Jesus Christ, but you can't see him. I'm going to deal with that in a minute. There are some gifts that are visible. Ears, eyes, 1 Corinthians 12, we'll get there. Nose, 
Those are visible gifts. And everybody seems to want to have visible gifts. But if I use the body as an analogy, the most important part of your body is invisible. Liver, kidneys, heart. You can live without a nose. You can live without ears. You can live without a mouth. But you can't live without the eternal, internal stuff. Are y'all getting this? So the word minister means one who is faithful to keep rowing against the tide of the water to keep the ship moving in the right direction. You don't see them. You don't hear their grunts. You don't know whether they're thirsty or not. All they're doing is being faithful in rowing. So he says, minister, but the second word he uses is stewards. Okonoma is where we get our word stewardship. One who manages the household of another. I saw one rendering in the Greek, one who manages, listen to this one, one who knows about the riches of another and uses them the right way. Like Joseph did in Genesis, he managed Potiphar's house with exceptional dexterity. And even when Potiphar's wife came to Joseph, Joseph said, I can't sin against my master. He's been too good to me. That's right. So Joseph did what most men won't do. He ran and left his shirt in her hands. That's a whole nother sermon. Some of us will run to we won't run from. Lord have mercy. Here's what Paul is saying. To the pastors, the bishops, the elders, the preachers, the teachers, the people in ministry, are you faithful to stay out of sight but keep God's ship on track? Are you faithful to manage for another, you own nothing. Amen. You're just managing for another. Yeah. Now be careful before you automatically check that off. Some of us are not faithful in marriage or ministry. Amen. See, God says faithfulness is forsaking all others. Yeah. Not your friends and your family, then your husband. Not your boys, your golf players, then your wife. That ain't what the word says. When you took the vows and forsaking all others, hit the road, Jack, bye. I'm in a whole new lifestyle. Can I get a witness? I know y'all don't want to hear this, but uh, I, we're, we're going to be judged by our faithfulness to our families, our children, they are in heritage of the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Faithfulness about our money and tithing. Faithfulness about how we use our bodies. Right? There, there is a line in which faithfulness comes into play. And it begins here with how we trust God. How we trust the Lord. How we trust the Lord. Are you faithful in your trust? Trusting Jesus. Proverbs 3, 3 to 5 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. That this, this matter of how we trust God, how we treat other believers for God, 
You are not coming to church talking about you ain't speaking to somebody. Amen. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that a worldly attitude? You know, I used to go in the clubs and sit next to somebody at the bar. They, they go in a hell drunk. Hey, man, what's your name? Can I buy you a drink? They just as friendly. Come to church, folks, look at you. but it's right. How you gonna roll your eyes at me and we supposed to be going to heaven together? And she thinks she cute. So do you. That's why you said it. I'm gonna teach you how to bless people and not curse them. If a woman is prettier than you, just say to yourself, she's prettier than me. Don't, don't resent her. Go, go home, put on some Maybelline and, you know, uh, come on now. You know, you can, today you can get anything. You can wig, weave, you can, you, you can do it up today, Doc. I mean, they'll sew anything on you today, Doc. Can I get a witness? You, you ain't got Now, if you, if you get something sewed on, this ain't in the Bible, it's for me. If you get something sewed on, can you do it gradually? Don't come in here one week and you ain't got nothing. Then you come in next week and you're sitting on your head. Don't, don't be, don't be doing this. Get, get, it, get it done gradually, Doc. Give somebody the impression that it grew. Lord, have mercy. Ain't got a nerve to come to church. What kind of mess is that? All right, watch this now. It's tight. And whatever's false, and you're going to get married, tell your husband it's false. Don't get on no honeymoon and you unscrewing stuff at night and all that. Tell, tell them it's false. Ba ba baby, this is false. to laugh, isn't it? Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. In the name of Jesus. Now check this out. <clears throat> how we use our gifts, our spiritual gifts, our talents, how we use our money, how we tithe, how we suffer for Jesus, how we spend our time, how we run this race which God orders. The word race is agon. We're running an agonizing race by faith. It's not an easy life to live. It's not a hundred yard sprint. It's a 26 mile marathon. And as you and I run for Jesus, there's gonna be moments of pain. There's gonna be times when Satan is going to make you doubt whether you things are going to get better or not. Can I get a witness? How we control this old nature, how we react to temptation, how much we love the doctrine of the rapture. Lord, have mercy. And how faithful we are to the Word of God. Our faithfulness is important to God, so he uses this measuring rod of an oarsman out of sight rowing and then someone that has been extended an entrustment of somebody else's goods and riches for you to manage. And as pastor of this church for 26 years, I managed this ministry. Everybody, everybody might not like it, I don't manage it because you like it. 
I manage it for him. I manage it to keep order. I manage it to have structure. I manage it to have vision. I manage it so all roads lead to Jesus. Can I get a witness? I don't manage it. I don't take a consensus. I move by conviction. Are you getting this? I, I told you last week, I had an old lady when I first came here. She didn't mean no harm. She said, Pastor, the Lord told me to tell you. I said, well, let me cut this one right here. I said, you go back and tell the Lord I'll be in my bedroom tonight. He can talk to me himself. Can I get a witness? I don't need no intermediaries. You done ate a pork chop, slept on your back, and had a nightmare. And now you come to church with your dreams. I don't need that. Can I get a witness? Yeah, you know, and people always want to play the intermediary position of knowing the will of God for your life, but not for theirs. And that's something? Why don't you say, Pastor, the Lord told me to shut up? Why, why don't you say that so I can say amen? <laughs> oh, I'm having a good time up here this morning. There's a treasure to be found. I have not been faithful in everything neither of you. And that's why Paul is beckoning us. What's important to God is faithfulness. Faithfulness is a mindset. It's a perseverance. No matter what happens, I'm going to be faithful. Can I get a witness? No matter what is not coming together, I'm going to be faithful. And if I open up that Bible, I have example after example of people who were faithful. Abraham was faithful. Wasn't he faithful? Left the earth of Chaldees going, not knowing where he was going. Can I get a witness? When his wife Sarah came up with a plan B, going to my 19-year-old Egyptian handmaid and have a, a, a son because I can't have children, and, and Abraham never argued. Never argued with her. Went on and did it, and right after they had Ishmael, God came right back and said, this ain't my, this ain't my promise. And he had to wait another 14 years. He was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. And God said, now I'm going to make this happen. Can I get a witness? Ain't God able to do things beyond our imagination? And when God met Abraham under the trees of Mamre, in Genesis 18, you go home and read it, three angels walked up. One was Jesus Christ, free incarnate. And, 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 and they were talking to Abraham. They said, now your wife will have a baby. And she was in the tent making a meal for him. And the Bible says she laughed. Now, wait a minute. In the Hebrew, she laughed to herself. But God heard it. And Jesus said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? You ain't getting this. Can I get a witness? See, you come in church and shout all you want. God knows the secrets and the secret language that's on your heart. Can I get a witness? So when Abraham had a child at 100 years old, God waited till that child probably turned 30, and then God said, now Abraham, kill him. Do I have a witness? And the Bible says that Abraham had walked with God so long that he trusted him even with death in the face of him and Sarah. So he goes up to Isaac. Come on, son. We're going to Mount Moriah, which, by the way, is Calvary. We're going to Mount Moriah and... And, you know, Isaac's a young man. He said, wait a minute, Dad, the wood is here. 
The knife is here, the fire is here, but where is the sacrifice? I don't see no lamb. And Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will. I'm preaching to somebody. You know what? When you're getting ready to walk into uncharted waters, you need to have on your heart Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will. Won't he do it? He will present himself as a sacrifice. Do I have a witness? So he gets Isaac up there, ties him up. And by the way, he couldn't tie Isaac up without Isaac helping him. Isaac had to be submissive and still to let his father tie him to the sacrifice. Isaac had to be submissive and quiet while his father lit the fire. Isaac could have broke out at any time, but because his father, y'all see where I'm going with this, wanted him to die, he was willing to die. Can I get a witness? And then just when he lit the fire, pulled back the knife, the angel of the Lord said, do thy son no harm. Do I have a witness? Why? Because now I know that you fear me. Wait, I got a theological problem. I thought God was omniscient. I thought God knew everything before it happened. He does. There are some experiences we got to go through. Not so God is persuaded, but so you are persuaded. Can I get a witness? And tribulation brings patience. I'm preaching up in this place. And patience brings, yeah, experience. And experience brings hope. So when God in the annals of eternity, Sister Garrison told the word, I'm going to put you on a cross and crucify you. Like Isaac. Jesus was willing to go to the cross. He was willing to die on the cross. Can I get a witness? All because the Father wanted him to be faithful. And there's some things God's going to bring in your life that you're not going to like. There's going to be some pains. There's going to be some changes. But I dare you, out of your faithfulness to God, to hold on and hold out. I dare you to persevere. I dare you to stay in there. I dare you to have a stick to it in this. I dare you to go through something you don't want to go through because God is telling you to go through it. I dare you. Because there's always a day of deliverance when God's going to end it, when God's going to pull you out, when God's going to send a tow truck. When God is going to fix your flat tire, I'm a witness. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. He may not come when you want him, but oh, he's right on time. And he is on time, God. Faithful. Faithful. Secondly, we see a trust that's fruitful. Lord, have mercy. And it's transformative. Look at verse 4, um, chapter 4, uh, 6 to 7, real quick. And, 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 uh, and, and this language is very lofty. Look what he says, verse 4. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judges me is who? Now let's stop, because we need not look at somebody else's backyard and try to judge whether they're being faithful. Do I have a witness? Yeah. Growing up in South Philly before Maytag and all of them came out, I remember my mother washing clothes on a scrub board. I know this is going back. Cutting the hand up, trying to get the clothes clean. Then everybody hang them up in the backyard on a rope. Remember that? 
Huh? Had the little, had the little clothespins you put on a rope. See, and the clothespins were put on the clothes so when the wind blew, the clothes wouldn't come down. God is so exact. When God washes you up, he puts you on a line with some clothespins. So when Satan starts blowing wind, you don't fall back into sin. That he, he's able, Lord have mercy, to keep you from falling. Y'all ain't getting this. Can I get a witness? Child, 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 child of God. He says in verse 6, not by pride. God is the one that will bring the hidden things, verse 5, of darkness to hearts. Are you getting me? Now watch this now. Wait a minute. Not pride, verse 6. I got to go. Not promotion of self, verse 7. For who maketh thee to differ? He, God, Paul says, everything you and I have, we receive from God. See, this is why pride, God hates pride. What are you prideful for that he didn't give you? Ah, well, I got, you know, I, I graduated with a 4.0. Oh, I got my degree. Who gave it to you? Who gave it to you? Are you getting this? What do you have that was not given to you by God? You're clothed in your right mind. That's God. You and I went against God and put stuff in our bodies that God had to block off to keep us straight. Do I have a witness? Somebody put something in your drink and you went haywire. But God, didn't God work it out? Don't look at me funny. Didn't, didn't God bring you out of places you shouldn't have came out of? Didn't God rescue you from trouble you shouldn't have been rescued from? It's nobody but Jesus. I know you think it's luck. I know you think you've been, no, 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 no. Let me, let me get this straight. Every day you get in your car, angels are surrounding you. Every, every day, every day. Every day your children go to school or to college. Grace is leading them. Every, every, every time you get in trouble, the Lord shows up. And he can show up through an unsaved person to pull you out of trouble. Can I get a witness? I know some of y'all think you self-made. You're not self-made. The Lord made you. The Lord bought you. The Lord purchased you. The Lord blessed you. The Lord pulled you out. So why don't you brag him up? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless. Bless. I said bless his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, because you've been mighty good. I know there's been some tough times, but thank you, Lord. We should be dead and in hell. And you, as he quickened, made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Thank you. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. O Lamb of God. Mm. He deals with pride. He deals with promotion of self. But look, look at verse 8. He deals with pity. Now you are fool. Now you are rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God you did reign that we also might reign with you. 
Now check it out, because this is important. Look at verse 9. For I think, this is Paul talking, that God has set forth us the apostles last. Now, now look, look, look at this. Jesus comes to James, John, and Peter, his inner circle. And he, Jesus asked him a question. He said, uh, James and John said, Lord, when we get the glory, can we sit on your left side and on your right side? And Jesus said, that's not for me to give you. That's my father's. But then Jesus said, are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And look, James, Peter, and John said, oh, yeah, we can drink the cup. And Jesus said, oh, you're going to drink the cup. The cup was martyrdom. The cup was death. James, Acts 12, you will be thrown off the temple. Your neck will be broken. They're going to beat you to death with rods. John, you're going to be put in boiling oil in the Isle of Patmos. Peter, you're going to be crucified upside down. So Jesus said, truly, you can drink the cup. You will drink the cup. So what Paul is saying, we, the apostles, are last as it is and are appointed unto what? Death, for we are made a what? Spectacle. Now let me stop, pause apart. People in the church want high positions, but they don't want high persecution. I'm pausing purposely. I'm pausing purposely. There's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. The word spectacle in the Greek is theater. This concept means that there are certain people on stage being carefully watched by an audience which even includes angels. Now, there are scriptures about these angels, and I don't, I don't want to turn for the sake of time, but the Bible says in Ephesians 3.10, principalities, powers, dominions, and thrones are watching the church, trying to learn about grace. See, angels don't understand what in the world, why in the world is God, who is holy, wasting his time with us? They can't figure grace out. They know how to fly from planet to planet, from country to country in a microsecond. They got strength, uh, amen, commensurate to 185,000 men. They, they, they are spirits, but they can't understand this thing called grace. How do you take a no good, dirty, no good sinner, bring him to the cross, change, transform his life, and put him right back where you got him from so he can win others. Lord, have mercy. They, look, look, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven ten, women, uh, women, uh, women your, your covering are, is, is your husband. And here's what Paul says about the covering of a woman. Your husband is your covering, and the angels keep looking at you to see if you're covered. So angels are looking down at us on a daily basis. Why? Because we are a spectacle. We are in a theater. Look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that. This thing is so deep. And when I look at this word spectacle, unto the world, to angels, and to men, we are fools, verse 10, for Christ's sake. You are wise in Christ, we are weak. You are strong, you are honorable, but we are what? Despised. It's normal and natural when you preach the unadulterated word, folk ain't gonna like you. That's normal. I had to resolve that 26 years ago. If I'm true to Christ, Lord have mercy, 
men and women are not going to buy in to me. Church folk ain't going to buy into me. He's too whatever. He's too structured. He's too military. You'll find out that my management job to Jesus is to keep this branch of Zion on track. Can I get a witness? You've heard unadulterated truth since you've been here. You're going to hear unadulterated truth till I die. Can I get a witness? You're going to get the truth of the word because the truth is going to set you free. Lord have mercy. Look what he said. He said, spectacle. Verse 13, I love this. He says, he using all these terms. Verse 11, um, <laughs> thirsty, naked, buffeted, no certain dwelling place, laboring, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world, verse 13, and the offscoring of all things to this day. Paul says, if you take up this line of work, don't expect people to pat you on your back and be your friends. Arrows coming from all positions. But I dare you to take a stand in the name of Jesus. I dare you to stand for his purposes and stand for his principles. I dare you to stand because God is never late. God will show up to defend you. God will prove to a dark and dying and hell-bound world that he is who he said he was. He's king of kings and he's lord of lords. But as I close, I see a triumph that's fulfilling. Now, no, no, let me, let me, let me, let me start. Let me talk about the word fulfillment. Fulfilling. You know, I talk about fleeting from Ecclesiastics. That which is fleeting loses its power to satisfy. Remember that? That which is futile can't do nothing for you. Right? Now, yesterday we went down Wildwood to witness on the boardwalk. And we and, and by the grace of God, great job singing, praise dancers, we witnessing, we giving our tracks. But all week, all I talked about was going to Curly's Fries. <laughs> I want a bucket of fries from Curly's. Y'all ever been to Wildwood? Best fries in the world. Huh? So I go to the counter and the woman says, uh, she says, well, you want a little cup? I said, no, baby, I want a bucket. <laughs> I didn't come way down here for no cup. <laughs> Give me a bucket. You know, and, and, and she gave me my fries. I put my salt on it, had my little ketchup. And me and sister go sit, I'm dipping. After about the 10th fry, I lost the taste. Y'all ain't getting this. See, in our minds, we keep rehearsing what we think we need to make us happy. And every once in a while, God will give it to you so you can see it won't make you happy. Can I get a witness? I'm preaching now, Doc. The very thing you think is going to make you happy, when you get it, you won't be happy. Now you're sad. Because what you thought was your problem is not your real problem. Do I have a witness? Oh, I'm preaching up in this place. So, so the fact of the matter is, thank you, Jesus, that the French fries could not satisfy me. So now I'm walking back up the boardwalk saying, now what can I buy next? Because this one didn't satisfy me. Now, you can't do that in the marriage now. This ain't St. Curly's. Can I get a witness? Come on now. In life, you're going to have to settle for what you have. Because you're the one that wanted it. Be careful what you keep 
asking God for, he just might give it to you. And send leanness of soul. Look at the final point. Triumph. Look at verse 20 as we close. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. Are you praying with me? Paul says, your fulfillment is never a word. It's a power. When the word of God gets to moving, it turns into a power. Can I get a witness? That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, we are troubled on every side. Now stop. Some of y'all ain't been troubled on every side. Every side means every side. I'm troubled in ministry. I'm troubled in marriage. I'm troubled with my children. I'm in trouble with money. I'm in trouble with my health. I'm in trouble with my emotions. I'm troubled on every side. And Paul says, and yet, <laughs> because I got a hidden treasure, and yet I'm not distressed. I can take a licking and keep on ticking. Can I get a witness? Paul started talking to Satan. He said, come on, Satan, take your best shot. Because when you bring trials, God brings grace. And in my weakness, I'm made strong. Do I have a witness? He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. And then he says, perplexed. That means we become confused. Have you ever become confused spiritually like, Lord, what's going on? I don't understand what's happening. I've never seen this before. Lord, you said you would be there for me. Have you ever been perplexed? He said, we are perplexed, but never in despair. That means God will never let you go all the way down. The elevator might drop a couple of floors, but the Lord will meet you before you hit rock bottom. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Can I get a witness? He means Jesus is at the bottom. Jesus is at the top. Jesus is my comfort. Jesus is my strength. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's worthy, 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 worthy to be praised. He's worthy. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, 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 will come in the morning, and this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. I've got joy like a river. Joy, 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 joy. Hallelujah. Been there, done that. I know in whom I believe. And I know he's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Can I get a witness? That's why the songwriter said, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation, purchase of God. 
born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praise him, my savior. All the day long. What a mighty God we serve. Isn't the Lord good? Isn't he good? Isn't he good? Hallelujah. He's good. He's mighty good. And whatever you're going through, just be still and know that he is God. Can I get a witness? Let's stay on our feet this morning. Is every head is bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you need to be saved. Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. He wants to save you. Just raise your hand. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Or perhaps you want to join on your Christian experience on church. Raise your hand. Is there one? Is there one? Just put your hand in the air. I see your hands. Come on up here. Church, say amen. Blessing. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Is there another? Is there another? Come on out. Is there another? Is there another? Ministers, can you take them in the back? Believe in Christ. Let's be seated, please. Praise God. On the side of your pew is a basket. It's Communion Sunday. Shh, do it quietly. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, said, take eat, this is my body, broken for you. Took wine and said, drink, this is the blood of the New Testament. As often as you do this, you show remembrance of me till I come. This is a memorial about his death, burial, and resurrection. If you're not saved,